Well, praise the Lord and good morning. Hope you're having a good week. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. And Lord, <clears throat> I just ask this morning that you open our eyes so that we can see wonderful things from your word. Open our ears so we can hear what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. Lord, anoint my lips. Lord, you said we know the truth and the truth would make us free. And so be it as we hear your word. Your word is truth in Jesus name. Amen. We started a series last week about the interval of time between when we pray and that prayer is answered or when we we speak a promise of God over ourselves or a situation and we see the manifestation of that prayer or that promise rather come to pass. And often this this space of time is called the problem. And Proverbs 13 explains that problem. Delayed hope make one makes one sick at heart. But a fulfilled longing is a tree of life, delayed hope. And since no one knows how long a time exists between the prayer being answered or the promise and its manifestation in our life, for us to receive God's response to our prayer or God's response to our promise, it requires us waiting patiently for God. Now, it seems like everybody's waiting for something. I mean, if you're a young person, you're waiting to probably be able to drive illegally. I mean, legally, not illegally, illegally. If you have children, you're probably waiting for them to grow up and stop spending all of your money. Bible-believing Christians are waiting for Jesus to come back. And you may not have thought about this, but... We're not the first people to wait, and I shared with you last week about examples of people who have, in the Bible, have spent some time uh, in much waiting. Noah waited many years for it to rain. Uh, Sarah and Abraham waited 25 years for their promised son Isaac, and Moses waited 40 years on the backside of the desert before returning to Egypt. And I could go on and on with David and, and Jonah and the disciples. And there are many Christians today who are waiting for answers to their prayers. But most of us don't like waiting. We, we get impatient. And I shared with you last week two things that hopefully will make your time of waiting easier. And I want to share two more with you today. Let's cover a little bit about what we talked about last week. Number one, it's better to be too slow when making a decision than to make one too quickly. Went to Proverbs chapter 19 verse 2. Also it is not good for a person to be without knowledge, and he who hurries with his feet sins. The Hebrew word for sin is misses the mark, and it carries the idea of an art archer shooting at a target. And sometimes when we get in a hurry we do sin. Probably the best example I can give you of that is when God promised Sarah and Abram that they were going to have a child. And Sarah got in a hurry and gave her handmaiden Hagar to Abraham to have the child. 
and and of course that was contrary to God's will and um, we pay the penalty when we do sin but there are times when we just mess up and when it comes to the things of God it is Satan's who pressures us to act now or it will be too late when it comes to the things in the natural realm Normally, it is fear that pressures us to act now, or we will miss out on a good deal or a good opportunity. Best example I can give you of that is, have you ever, on an impulse, bought something instead of waiting and checking it out, only to find out a couple days later, you could have gotten the same thing for half a price. Exactly the same thing. And so, you didn't sin there, but you just made a mistake. And... I shared with you the story about how a professor at Golden State University who was talking about time management made the statement if it was a case of being too slow or too fast when it came to the things of God, he would rather be too slow because all he had to do was catch up. But when he got in a hurry, when he got too quick, when he got before God, he messed up and then he had to stop and clean up and then he had to catch up and he said, I'm tired, I am tired of cleaning up my messes. And so it's better to be slow in making a decision than to make one too quickly. We have God's promise that he will guide us in all situations, from the smallest to the largest. And we have to learn to wait for that guidance. And so again, it's better to be too slow in making a decision than to be too quickly. And the second point we covered last week was when we wait on God, we give him time to work on the other end of things. Not only is God omnipotent, in other words, he's not all-knowing. Not only does God have all the ability that is, ever, that is ever needed to solve any problems, but God's timing is impeccable. Galatians 4 and 4 tells us that when it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his, forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. In other words, when the time was right, according to God's will. When we petition God for something, whether it be through prayer or through his promises, more often than not, it involves other people. Maybe it involves us making changes in our life. It might involve a company. It might involve a financial situation. Stop and a good example of that is way back thousands of years ago in Genesis, when God, when the first prophecy of a Savior came into being, and I read that to you, where God told the serpent, the seed of woman, is going to, you may bruise her, his head, but he's going to crush. You may bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. Until the time when God found a young, probably teenage girl in an obscure village in, in Israel who would be willing to have a child out of wedlock. Do you know how many people God had to work with? He had to find a man. Uh, who he could go to and say, I want you to leave your house and your homeland where you were raised, and I'll show you where you're going. And he needed work and find people. He needed to find, he needed to be able to put them in position. 
He needed to work with governments. And it took thousands of years. But God brought his promise and his prophecy to pass. And so understand when we petition God something through prayer or through his promises, oftentimes it involves other people. It may involve us making changes in our maturity. It may involve finances. It may involve a company. And understand that there are several paths in life we can take. There's the path that Satan has for us. But John 10.10 tells us that Satan's path is designed to steal, kill, and destroy. We can choose our own path, what we want to do. But the Bible tells us there's a way that seems right to a man and appears straight, but its end is the way of death. And I like what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 10.23. I know, God, that mere mortals can't run their own lives, that men and women don't have what it takes to take care of, charge of life. If we did, our world wouldn't be in the situation it is today. And then there's, we can choose the path that God lays out for us. Jeremiah tells us that God's plan for us is good, not evil, to give us a future and a hope. John 10.10 John, John 10 tells us that God's plan for us is for us to have a life in abundance. And Psalm 65.11 says that you crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. And so we get to choose the path we want into life, in life. But I can tell you the truth. God's path is the best path there is. But I'm having trouble this morning speaking. I don't know why. As Christians... We need to learn to put our decision-making process kind of in a holding pattern, so to speak, until we hear from God. We need to practice patience. And so it's better to be late when making a decision than to make one too quickly. And we need to give God time uh, to work on the other end of things. And something that happens oftentimes when, as we begin to pray uh, w during this problem time, an ideal will come into our head and we go, oh, that's got to be God. And, and we stop praying and we go with the idea. But understand that's not always the case. And so we want to be a little slower, be too slow rather than too quick. And we want to give him time to work on the other ends. The next thing is, the third thing is, when we wait on God, it strengthens our faith. Notice I didn't say it gives us faith. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It strengthens our faith. Many times people ask God to give them patience, but God won't because patience is a product of the flesh, the natural man. Well, brother, it says in Galatians that, Patience is the fruit of the Spirit. That is correct in Galatians 5.22. But if you will look at the context of that scripture, you will find out that Paul is relating the fruits of the Spirit to how we conduct ourselves in our natural life here on earth. Towards others, how we conduct business, how we face trials. Go back to the cross. Whenever I see the cross, it has a vertical beam and a horizontal beam. 
The vertical beam to me represents my relationship with God. The horizontal beam represents our relationship with mankind. And if you'll notice, the vertical beam is always longer than the horizontal. That means that our relationship with God is more important than our horizontal. Because when our relationship with God's first, our relationship with man is going to be okay. It's going to be right. And the fruit of the Spirit that Paul's talking about is as we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, it produces fruit of how we relate to other people. And they see that fruit and they want to follow our God. But patience as it relates to us waiting upon the Lord is a result of faith. You do not wait for something you don't believe is going to happen. Well, let me give you a good example. You have a farmer. Farmer goes out and he buys uh, seed every year to plant. And he goes and he buys it from a seed dealer from a company that he knows has good seed. When the farmer goes out and he plants that seed, he doesn't go out in two or three days and pull it up to see, well, is it beginning to, is it beginning to open it up? Is it beginning? He has faith in that seed. He plants the seed and then he goes about his business, making his equipment ready, doing what he needs to do if he needs to uh, do something to the soil, like spray it with chemicals or if... If he is um, irrigating it, he irrigates it. But he patiently waits because he has faith in the seed that he planted. His patience is a result of his faith in the seed. Well, it's the same thing with waiting on God. We have God's promises that if we call on him, he will answer us. And we have his promise that his, good for us, his plan for us is good and not evil to give us a future and a hope. Now, we can either believe God or we can choose not to believe God. We can either believe that God is going to answer us, that his answer is going to be the best for the situation, and that his timing is perfect, or we don't. But if we don't believe, if we here on earth can't believe that God can answer the problems we have while we're here on earth. How are we going to believe when we die and stand before the judgment seat of Christ? How are we going to believe that our faith in something Jesus did over 2,000 years ago and just our believing it is going to be enough of a payment to allow us eternity on the new heaven and the new earth? That's something to think about. And so if you find yourself getting impatient with God, the problem is you really don't have faith that God is either going to answer you or that his answer is going to be the best for the situation. You think, well, I've got a better answer or that he's going to answer you on time. And so our impatience is from our lack of faith in God's willingness his ability or his timing. And let me say this when it comes to God's willingness. God doesn't love um, Kenneth Copeland. God doesn't love Charles Stanley. God didn't love Billy Graham. God doesn't love 
any of those people that have died, uh, great saints in the past or present, any more than He loves you. And if you don't believe that, just go to John chapter 17. John chapter 17, and I think it's verse 21. 17, verse 23. Jesus is praying, and He's praying to the Father, and He said, Father, that they may know that you have sent me and that you have loved them. Who are those? Those that believe on me, that you have loved them as you have loved me. It doesn't matter what, you can never do anything to make God love you more or love you less. And so our impatience is from our lack of faith in God's willingness, his ability or his timing. But when we wait on God, and he answers us. And his answer exactly right for the situation. And his timing is perfect. That's when our faith is strengthened. That's when we begin to mature in our faith. I can remember in our own lives. I can remember us uh, having to believe God for just enough food to get by the week for payday. But then there came a time in our life when it was nothing to believe on a thousand dollars or a new vehicle. And so when we wait on God, it's better to be too slow than too fast when making a decision. When we wait upon God, we give Him time to prepare our pathway. And when we wait on God, it strengthens our faith because when the answer does come and we see how thorough God really is, how He can be trusted, our faith is strengthened. And the next time we pray or we speak a promise, we don't get impatient. Well, God came through for here. Surely he's going to come here. And finally, when we wait on God, the answer will always be better than we could have ever imagined or expected. Let me say that again. When we wait on God, the answer will always be better than we could have imagined or expected. Turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Eye has not seen, nor has the ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now, a lot of Christians quote that. But I want to put this scripture in its context. And I'm going to drop back to verse 7. And I'm going to start in verse 7 reading this. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this world, of this age, knew this hidden wisdom. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen, and ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of men the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now this passage from verse 7 on, this passage asserts that Satan, the God of this world, and the demons of hell were completely confounded by the cross. 
completely confounded by the by the cross and this is a disclosure the Bible shows us here that Satan has limited ability to anticipate the tactics of God he doesn't understand them and because of Satan's limited ability to anticipate the tactics of God we as believers always have the ultimate victory in Christ I mean how would you who would even think of saving sinful mankind by giving your own son to die on the cross and so it says that but we speak the wisdom of God in the, in a mystery okay now the very nature of God's wisdom renders the wisdom of this world inadequate why because the wisdom of this world is of man and of Satan and the word mystery in the New Testament does not mean mysterious or difficult to understand it denotes a truth hidden in God's mind until he chooses to disclose it yeah but brother it says in verse 10 but eye has not seen and ear has not heard and neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love them I agree with you but don't stop there go to verse 10 but the word but is a conjunction that says there's exclusions to what came before this but God has revealed them to us by his spirit God had a plan of redemption in mind before the creation of the world the Bible tells us and it would have remained unknown had he not revealed it in Christ that's why Jesus when he would say many times the kingdom of God is at hand why because I'm here it's the kingdom of God and so as we grow in the Holy Spirit and and the Word of God as we grow in the Holy Spirit and the Word of God that hidden wisdom of God begins to be revealed to us and then we began to understand the wonderful things that God has prepared for those who love him not only on this earth but in the new heaven and the new earth see on this earth we have the covenant with the Almighty and we have his Holy Spirit that lives within us so and then so when we wait on God for the answer to our prayer or the promise that we're speaking over our life or a situation because we're waiting upon God and we do it his way the answer will always be better than we could have ever imagined or expected God has things that man and the devil hasn't even Satan hasn't even thought of and so if you're praying this morning for a situation in your life it might be a physical healing it might be emotional healing it might be a loved one who's making bad decisions it might be financial it could be physical that they say there's no hope it could be anything it's better to be late 
than to be too quick. And when we wait on God, listen, the Bible tells us that this is the confidence that we have in Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if He hears us, then we know we have the petition we desire of Him. What's that situation in your life that you've been praying about? Financial, physical, emotional, relational? What is it? Philippians 4, 6 says, Be anxious for nothing. That word anxious comes from the Greek word, I love it, to draw in different directions, to distract. And it means that which causes care, especially anxious care. In other words, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then notice that he says, prayer and petition with thanksgiving. You don't give thanksgiving for something if you don't believe you're going to get it. If you do, and you give thanks, you're being a hypocrite. Because you really don't believe you're going to get it. It says... Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And, and, in other words, if you do the first part, the second part, and the peace of God, which passes all our understanding, will guard your mind and emotions through Christ Jesus. What are you praying about this morning? What promise of God are you holding dear to yourself that you're speaking over yourself? Is it healing? Is it for a loved one? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and I, my family shall be saved and my house. Is it for your finances? What's it for? I want to encourage you this morning. God knows. Give him time to work in your life. Renew Renew that promise, God, I believe you, and I'm not going to get impatient. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your word, and I thank you that you care. I thank you that when we pray, you said, call to me and I'll, you'll answer us and show us great and marvelous things that we don't even know. Father, there's people listening here today that may have been praying for years. Lord, strengthen their faith. Lord, somehow show them that you haven't forgotten them. They may have been speaking a promise over a situation over their life. Lord, I just ask this morning, whether it be with your Holy Spirit, but just come to where they're at right now. Fill that room with your Holy Spirit, with your presence, so that they know there's nothing to be afraid of. That you love them, and that you've got an answer in mind. In Jesus' name, amen.